You're very welcome to the second season, episode 24 of LOI Weekly with myself, Johnny Ward and Daniel McDonald on Podcast Republic, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes at LOI Weekly on Twitter in association with Air Sports and Independent.ie. And this week we have two guests in, um, Gerald Bryan to talk about St. Patrick's Athletic and the ongoing battle to get a new ground in Inchicore and Robbie Benson to talk about all matters uh, Dundalk in advance of the AEK Larnica game on Thursday. Lads, great to have you on. Thank you. Sure, you're just yeah. not going to say Anthony. No? <laughs> no. Um, he knows the drill at this stage. Rob, Robbie hasn't done a studio no. podcast interview before, so it's a big day. And Robbie, you're you're. We were talking about this beforehand. You're living in Dublin now, um, and you're also you're living in Dublin, but you're also obviously availing of Dundalk's new training regime of Monday or mornings rather than evenings. So, how has life been since that change? You were discussing this beforehand. Yeah, it's very good. Um, the last two years when we were evening sessions, I was uh, living in Dundalk and. Probably different for me than the other Dublin lads in, in the sense that they had to travel up, you know, around four o'clock, get up there for training at six, then not come back till 11 o'clock. So just from a day-to-day kind of normal life, you know, it's not ideal. Wives and girlfriends at work during the day and you don't see them. So uh, lads are definitely happier with this. Uh, you can't call a League of Ireland player being a normal life though anyway. Nothing to do with the League of Ireland is normal. That's normal for us. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is, but it is, does it? Is it a different feel? I mean, it, it, does it feel more professional in terms of like the structure of your your working week? And I think even I know they've put a gym up there and stuff like that, haven't they? And maybe eating and you know a few more little changes, which is more closer to like a proper professional football life. Yeah, well, you're getting up with the rest of the world and going in at the same time. Like before going into training at six o'clock, you see everyone heading home for the night and. Just everyone seems to be in great form in the mornings, going in, doing their stuff, and then getting out in the training park. We meet now early before training, so just probably a bit more better atmosphere around the place, and you know that kind of um, that team ethic is is more more there this year again. Do you enjoy training? Yeah, I do. Yeah, um, obviously matches is where you know we're all most comfortable, but you know training is hard work. It's you know. What's a tra- what's an average training session this time of year? Just it's the same as as it is, you know, throughout the whole year. It doesn't matter if we're playing Europe. We brought training a little bit down this week because we've a we've a game we've Thursday Sunday Thursday this week, so um, we need to need to manage our load. Thankfully, we haven't had too many injuries. Um, Stephen O'Donnell, John Mowney, the only two that kind of had had long term kind of stuff this year. So um, you know, we're in we're in good health. Jared, you know. I think probably the last time you were in, we would have been speaking about you know fixture congestion and all the impact of that. Is it a different, completely different feel now? Do you know yourselves now? Where all of a sudden, I know there's you know there's, it's a busy window for other reasons, but you get a bit more time to work, I guess, with the players on the training ground than you would have first three four months of the season. Yeah, and I suppose that's what we've been looking for. You know, from earlier on when the fixture congestion was was right in the middle, that you weren't getting time to work on on stuff week to week you weren't getting time to fix problems and there was very little time to, to try and find solutions for the for the game coming up. So yeah, it's it's been good. We we obviously threw the Newcastle game in and then we had Limerick and now we're Friday to Friday now. Um bar Lens Senior Cup game which we which we'll play Dundalk, which I'm sure will be pushed forward down the line. So um no it's it's quite good and as as Robbie said, it, it's it's great we're we're back to mornings now during the summer as well because a couple of boys that work in different jobs can can train mornings and the lads who are in college are obviously off, so it's. Uh, I think it's much better. Everyone just is not. There's no hanging around. There's no waiting to train, and 
from me doing it from a player's perspective as well a few years ago it was just it was good that you'd you know you'd have the rest of your day whether you want to rest or sleep or or you can do something um that evening with your friends or family as well it's it just makes life a little bit easier has training evolved much in your time in the league of ireland from playing to now yeah yeah I'd say so players themselves have evolved so that helps with coaches like a lot of, a lot of the players are, are very intelligent now um they want they want to watch the games and when I would have started playing, you know, it would have been fairly unheard of to, to sit down and go through tactical sessions and stuff like that. And it was probably well documented that Paul Doolan and people like that and Pat Scully would have been some of the force managers to do that. Now it's the norm. Every every team do them. Teams in the force division, I'm sure, do it as well. And you know, players themselves are a lot more educated on the game. They they're not sheep. They don't. Um, just get put into into position and tell, you know just do this and they do it. They, the players can think for themselves and I think coaches now are evolving where they're giving a lot more responsibility to the players as well. Delegating. Yeah, I think so. And if you can try and, if you can find that right blend, it's very very difficult to find that right blend of you know leaders and and players who can change a game and you know other players that are just happy to to do their job and do that really well, not looking for anything else. And I think. You know, if you can find that right balance in, in a group at any given level, I think you'll always have a good chance. And is that the thing with Dundalk, Robbie, that your dressing room just throughout this kind of golden period has been just so, um, I suppose, together and also like just professional, all, all those stories about the gym work that they kind of just took it upon themselves to bring it to the next level and all that. And obviously you'd have Stephen O'Donnell as, I suppose, a leader within that dressing room, but is it a special place? Yeah, it is. Um, it's the best dressing room I've been involved in, and uh, you know everyone's very welcome. When I came in, first, how long are you there now? This is my third season. Yeah, and um, you and McElhenney signed the same. Yeah, we signed more or less. We yeah. had a brief stint away, but he's back now. So. Yeah. Yeah, you nearly had one as well, but no, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> you nearly had a stint away. You can't, you can't assume it would have been brief. Yeah. That's actually a bit insulting, you know. Yeah, well, uh, I didn't mean the brief part, but uh, how? So it is a good dressing room. Anyway. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very, and it is very much like you can have the best, you can have the best coaches and the best, you know, strength conditioning coaches, whatever, in the club. But if the players aren't going to respect them and put in the put in the work that they need, it's not going to work. And you know, Stephen has, has done a great job in recruiting players that that would not. Like just fall in line. It's not all like we all have our all we all have our own personalities, and we speak up if if there is any issues. But um, everyone you know gets right behind everyone, whether you're in the team or not in the team, and everyone does the work um, week in week out. Yeah, um, Dan, Europe. Here we are. You must be a bit uh, annoyed as well, Jar, just watching on. Yeah, very envious. In fairness, and this is our second season now in a row without European football, and you know you look at the draws and the excitement you used to be sitting around waiting on the you know it's not that the interest is not there it's just not relevant to us at this moment in time unfortunately but I was in Tala for the for the for the Rovers game um, and obviously you know watched the second leg as well last week so but it, it's great it's great and I know people can say you know such and such it is good to see the boys doing well because it it is a bigger picture for our league do you want them to win no not all the time and I'll be one percent honest, because you have a, you can't just switch a rivalry off. Rovers, you know, yeah, of course, absolutely. Did but, you want um, Rovers to be the okay? No, why would I? You know, it's um, they're they're direct rivals to us. We have rivalry all year round with them. I'm not going to hope they're going to win in one game. And I admire your honesty. You, know, you don't you don't want teams getting a, a bit of confidence from a big win yeah. like that, and then I think having a knock like on Rovers, though. and they're having a knock on effect in the league. You know, yeah, yeah, but I think it does get to a stage like 
genuinely when when Dundalk were in the group stages, you'd want them to win games. You'd want them to do really well. You want them to play well. You want them to go and show, you know, not just the general public here, but abroad that you know the league is actually has something. And I genuinely hope that Dundalk get through. I want to see them play. Obviously, the, one of the, the the big opposition that they could face, and and obviously Cork will have will have a good toy now to look forward to as well. And so it's um. I think it's going to be an exciting few weeks for the league. It is interesting because we've always had this. <clears throat> I think, you know, fans generally are quite, they want their teams to do well in Europe, you know, as in all the teams in the league. But it's got to the stage now where like, the European money is so significant that, it, it, you know, a good result for another team in Europe is potentially hurting your own team now, like in, mm. in a very serious way. Like, I mean, you know, Pats and, and Rovers you know, could be competing for players next winter and the one that's in Europe or the one that has the European funds might just get their way, you know, and that's just the way I noticed things, that a lot things go. Seasons, yeah. uh, and, like, you know, we've got Waterford in the mix this year and, you know, if Derry drop out of it, I mean, do they want other teams to be going well in Europe? You know, so th- that is the whole, the whole equation. I mean, I suppose, I mean, last, last week, last Thursday, I mean, we, we spoke about Cork last week and the Leggier game. We've had the three Europa League games since then. Um, you distance yourself from a poll well, I mean the, the boy Owen First, put, uh, the boy Owen put up a poll now I'm very fond of Owen like he's a good lad he's, <laughs> he's definitely, also in the room definitely the my, my favourite person named Owen but yeah. um, with, with all the spellings yeah, no, yeah I, I, know, the spellings. I know people have all different spellings of Owen yeah. but uh, after an incredible day in EU um, bit of you know Brexit joy there we, we were wondering which performance in your opinion trumped a lot Um no, I didn't think it was an incredible day. I, I, I think on the face of it, there were three incredible results. <laughs> I, 150 to I'm one. I'm not treble. saying incre- I don't think they were incredible. They weren't because they didn't they get through. Cre- except they were, the dog. They were creditable. You know. Credi- yeah, like, I would agree. The, the dog got through, and we'll talk about that game with Robbie more in a while. I mean, they played well without being at their best. I would say. Um, I mean, okay, you know, Minsk. Like, Ultimately, the two other results were, showed the balls up that they kind of made in the first leg, especially Derry. Well, also, yeah, but I think sometimes as well, we look at we look at it, the Irish results in Europe through our own, and we think that all the teams are performing at, at the level that they normally do. I just, I mean, Minsk probably just thought they were true and switched off and had a bit of a shocker. From even following Kevin McDade and people who are over there, they said that Minsk's performance was abject. So I don't think you can simply say, oh, if Derry had performed in the first leg, they would have gone through you know so I don't mm. think it was an incredible result that they got over there it was a good performance and they restored some credit um, I think the Rovers one was very impressive I mean they are top of the league I know they rested a player too Rovers did very well but I just find that frustrating that they've gone out well, Aaron Green's chance they've gone out in a tie with us now and the Castrain miss as well mm. so I, I, I don't want to be seen to celebrate it I'm like well fair play to the teams they did well but you know Three out of the four teams lost their first tie. Cork get another chance. I think in recent years, that's sort of where we've been at. Incredible is when four teams go through a round, which actually I think we've had it in recent memory where all our teams have gone through. I mean, what this has shown, what this year has shown is the seedings are, are king in many respects. And, you know, when you have the same teams qualifying, you need Rovers to get through a round and then, I mean, you don't want this year, but if Rovers get through a round and they've qualified three, four years in a row, then they will be seeded in that first round. I mean, the difference for what's on offer, I mean, there you've got two tough, tough enough draws two years in a row, but I just, I, I wasn't, I was just annoyed last Thursday. I wasn't well, they were like, knocked out. I, like, I wasn't like, oh. Three teams were knocked out. That was great. Basically. Like, we sort of have to, and I don't know, I don't mean to be overly harsh. They were, I mean, it shows in the in the shadow of the Bray and the Limerick things and, and things that have been going on lately that, like, the standard bears are still our footballers and our coaches and our players. Like, they're doing good things. But when they lose and when they go out, 
that just it's it's forgotten quickly. So it's not a joint step forward. The, the it's thing not like is, it's, it meant nothing. Really, yes, what happened? We have we have done quite well over the last number of years, but we've also previous gone to the likes of of other countries where we've teams have been beaten by by clubs that we would expect to be, and that. That hasn't happened this year. Yeah. Nobody expected Rovers to go. No, and that's a fair point. Yeah. And nobody, you know, although I would have fancied Dundalk to win, but only going off the basis of what Cork done last year. I think we played Minsk a few years ago. I thought it was going to be a close enough game. I didn't rate Minsk a couple of years ago. I thought they were bang average when we played them. We drew 1 1 over there. We had a couple of missed, very good opportunities. And we messed up at home. We yeah. didn't manage the game. We conceded from a set piece. We swapped the marker right on the corner. For no reason whatsoever, the two markers just swapped and we lost them. And then it was 2-1 and we just, we, we couldn't get back into the game. I think Derry will be rightly pissed at themselves at home. You've got to give yourself, and Robbie, having played so many games over the last few seasons, your home games are quite key in a two-legged tie. You've got to manage them because you've Conceded always... in the first minute? Yeah, it's a killer. And, and Cork... Oh, listen, I don't know. I, I didn't see the game, to be honest with you. Did you we, see either of the games? No, I, I didn't. I've watched them. Um, I've seen some of the highlights on one of their YouTube things. Um, but I don't I don't know whether um, whether Cork just found them too tough or whatever it was. But I don't think anyone's going to be jumping with joy that the performances were fantastic because every club wants to go in to try and get through a round or two. Um, but I, 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 I wouldn't be pessimistic either because no. we haven't been beaten by a team from San Marino we haven't been beaten by a team from Luxembourg I think there is strides being made I think what will stand to that Rovers group is you had a lot of play- young players on the pitch at, and players that haven't played in Europe and that would probably stand to them and I'm sure then it, it, obviously Derry had a horrific draw last year as well yeah. and, it, and it was a tough draw this I, year. I, I don't buy that though at all I just think you know if you if you put Dundalk against these teams they'll be very competitive but the, the, I know Dundalk are different yeah it's a different animal D- Derry shouldn't be conceding six or seven goals to Danish opposition full stop um, they're so cavalier the way they're playing and um, to be 2-0 down against Minsk who <clears> weren't great like they were okay and then obviously last night they lost 5-0 in Cork so I think there's a major issue with Derry rather than saying they got a really bad draw and, and it seems to be a thing with Derry like a lot of excuses oh you know we can't afford to pay our players Kenny Shields has gone on about like the, the brutality of their schedule and all this stuff last night just like they went 1-0 down last night apparently and they just threw, threw, threw all the fucking toys out of the pram no interest you know mm-hmm. um, and in, in any event Robbie you did get through um, wasn't your best performance on, on Thursday but at least you're through to, to face Larnaca no we weren't uh, we weren't at our best by any means I think start start of the game was fairly even and then we got we got two goals, kind of. I wouldn't say out of nothing, but there were two two of our first two chances. So to get them, you know, was a big bonus. But to concede as we did, we we a scare before halftime. They had a goal disallowed, and um, we were just a little bit open from a kick out and just hit of a ball here, or there, kind of went their way, and they, and they got in. But second half, I didn't really feel at any point we were we were in danger of going out, even though it kind is of... Is that slightly dangerous? Because if you, if you fluke a goal, there's only one in it, kind of, you know, yeah, I, I, you still play you're, like that. You're like. still have a two-goal cushion, mm. and um, I think there was a little bit of a sense from from the crowd, and then it kind of got into the players that there was a bit of um, you know anxiousness that if we did concede, you know, that scenario that you said that you'd only have one goal, but on the pitch, myself, I didn't think that we were in that much danger. I was just a little bit frustrated, and in the amount of possession that we didn't have, we didn't keep the ball. Very little of the ball, second half. Yeah, we didn't keep the ball. They kept it, to be fair, around around the back, but they didn't really have a cutting edge up top to, to cut us open. And um, 
maybe next week, if if it's the same case, we'll probably we'll probably be punished for much the better side. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. it is it a different type? Because sometimes we talk about the Irish club going into Europe as their the underdog in many respects. Whereas you were sort of expected to win this tie. You know, is is that just a different? Does that affect your mindset in any way, or does did, did that feed into things last Thursday in any way that there's an expectation you're going to go through rather than a here we go, you know, this is a, there's a siege element to it or something. Not particularly. I think, um, you know, the way Stephen kind of approaches things is that he kind of had that, you know, used the same approach again and, you know, the way he, he spoke to us before the game and what what was there for us to achieve in, in the following rounds um, should we go through. It was kind of the same sort of approach. Um, what I would say is that, you know, what is, people have to kind of, realize they're expecting us to go to the group stage again you know pe- mm. people in the media maybe not so much but certainly not. but you know it's only happened two times in the last you know you know two times ever and you know it's kind of the level of where like have rovers and Derry underachieved by going out in the round they have i, I can't no. say so no they haven't and um they've probably know. underachieved in terms of their performance but on paper that's what should have happened yeah you would say you would say that they they'd probably be you know they're beating better opposition that ha- had they gone through um yeah, so fair. i don't think you know, as Jarrah said you know, it's not as if they're beaten by by a lesser team and i think you know expectations have to be, you know it's europe is is very very tough i think maybe that because we got to the group stage a couple of years ago, people might think it's a little bit easier. It's actually even got harder. You went from, via the Champions League as well. We went the Champions League route. Yeah. And even the Champions League route now, mm. the teams qualifying for the Champions League has gone from five to four mm. since we've done it. So that route is even tougher again. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I wasn't saying there's any shame in the teams that went out. It's just that I don't think it was incredible either. They sort of did as they as they should have yeah. done, effectively. And Ro- I, Rovers I, did well. Like yeah, Rovers, Rovers, yeah. Rovers were the width of a post. Swedish league leaders. I mean, who were in season. Just, like. Rovers just annoying. It was, mm. it, was, it was the margins, you know. And just that's, on that's Rovers, where, where is Stephen Bradley now? Because he seems to have emerged from that tough patch when they lost it on Dock, where the awkward. I think that was the night the banner was in Furl. And yeah. as soon as come in, they've kept five out of six clean sheets, something like that. And uh, would seem to be in great position to get into Europe next season. Oh, they're looking good for that. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I, I, if you'd said to me that, night after the 5-2 did Dock game would he have been the job sort of at the end of July I would have I would have had to think about it you know because mm-hmm. there was definitely you know discussions with people that night who, who who seemed to be connected enough who were wondering would this be a, a turning point I mean they had the Bray and Limerick games after the which probably came at a nice time for them just to steady the ship a bit and they, they won both of those and yeah, they're flying along so now. If, you know, if, if, if Stephen Bradley does sort of not, not so much turn around, but if things work out or over, it'd be nice to see a young manager who's actually given time because nobody gets time. So, like, you know, I always, my, my general thinking is you should get two years anyway, you know, as a minimum because it takes time and maybe he will. Maybe he will now. And what do you think, Ger? Like, it's as a young aspiring coach as well? 100%. 100%. I actually spoke to a couple of the underage coaches who'd be good friends of mine in Rovers and I was saying the same to them that for me as a, as a young coach, not sure whether I want to be a manager yet, but I, ho- I hope the the young coaches are given time. And it's probably helped that he has like so Steve McPhail there beside him and somewhere all that experience, that the role that he's in and he's helping out in around the first team, that he probably sees firsthand. It's not somebody in the boardroom who doesn't understand the probably hard work and graft that's going in. And maybe and we've all been there and Robbie's played a long time that sometimes when things are just going wrong, you, f- you can't get out. You can't get out of that rutting. And... Um, the only thing you can do is work harder and, and put a lot of trust in your players and he's made a lot of brave dis- choices with the likes of Brandon Kavanagh coming in and, and Gavin going and goal and stuff like that and even 
when Manus was available down in Cork, he's kept Gavin in and he's kept him in for the European game. So it's um, there has to be a lot of credit given to him. Yeah, and and Robbie on on the game, obviously the talk was on Michael Duffy's goal, and um, I I was at the game and I I was down at that end of the stand, and I, I first of all thought that the ball was kind of further away from goal, but um, the more I watched it, actually, the, this goal just keeps getting better the more I watched it, and I've only one angle of it, but. Uh, was it better than your goal in Warsaw? Uh, I think it was. Um, I think it's a harder technique. I admire that, Dan. I think oh, he has to yeah. say that modestly anyway. He, uh, Robbie was kind of in front of goal, whereas Michael Duffy was going away from goal. I think his is definitely a harder technique coming mm. over your shoulder like that. Um, and like a lot of people are saying they didn't think that he was going to... Like, I think all the players you know, who trained with him knew he was going to have a shot because he doesn't... He practices volleys you know, more than any player I've ever played. Really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I Anytime we're doing shooting after training, he'll always say a few volleys, a few volleys. Left and right? Yeah, he's both he's as equally as good. Um, both of you, I'd say some people might... Because think we made that, the point... Because I was going to ask you, you know, is it just confidence? He's having such a great season. Like, would he have tried that at the start of last season, say, when he was getting into the club? Or is it a sense that he's in the zone now that he just thought... I'll give this a go because you can see players taking it safe sometimes in in that situation. But he he just attacked it. I can't really speak for for Mickey, but just from from knowing him as as a person, he's a bit he's he's very carefree, and uh, you know he'll try things like that. In preseason, he scored a better goal, you know, than that. We playing um, Seoul. He got a better goal Korea. than that. Yeah, yeah, crossing from the wing. I wasn't playing, but crossing and preseason very crossing, and uh, you know he's maybe penalty spot side of the box scissors kick in the top corner you know any video footage of this so far probably in America somewhere I'd this, say yeah. you know, it was, it, what, it, what it, I loved it, about the goal was how quiet the crowd went between Duffy's pass and his connection in that it wasn't an obvious chance it was like you know you know the way the crowd gets all anxious ah and then it was just it went it went silent because it was like what's he going to do is he going to take it down and then it was just the place went nuts absolutely nuts there was also a delayed reaction as well because I think people thought I might go into the side netting yeah I did I, on my there side small, there, was, there was a delay yeah. yeah do you know what I noticed just from seeing it back and obviously Robbie's goal was on social media this week as well it's just such a pity that wasn't in a big stadium. Oh, yeah. Dan but makes his point over I, and over. I know, it just looks so much better. Like, Robbie's come onto it and bang, there's big crowds behind the goal and it just feels, like, not to disrespect the Air League or, or Oriel, but the camera is there, there's nothing behind the goal. They're trying to find Told where you. Mickey Duffy's gone off to celebrate and it's just like... If it had been like, if that's in more so, even, yeah. even watching even watching Rovers highlights that's on Soccer Republic uh, last night, I noticed that you know if someone was watching that that game, I didn't see the game live, but I'm sure people were obviously very impressed by Rovers. Mm. But that's the same Rovers team that plays in the league week in yeah, week out, yeah. and I can't imagine they played you know that much above themselves mm. as they do week to week. But it just looks so much better in a yeah. proper stadium. I watched the first half hour before going to the Dundalk game, and they were very I was good. Just, like they were very good, but mm. I like. Rovers, this is the one thing about the Thursday games. Rovers were playing in basically Sweden's national stadium, or where yeah. the Sweden play their games. The Minsk one was in, it's not the national stadium, but it's a brand new stadium. Yeah. And it is one of these things. I know, I think Stephen Kenny made the point before going to Rosenberg last year, I think in the press conference, but, you know, the players come to these arenas and they. They belong there, yeah. like, you know. And, and I, I keep making this point again and again. It's like it's it's the, it's the perception of what yeah, you sell. It's huge. And you see, you see the guys on this big pitch, and you realise they can spread the play. They can play. It looks so much better. How, how is yeah. that now with yous, Rob? Like obviously, use with the run and all. You've had to play in Tala, and you've played some of the later rounds in Europe and Tala. Now you are obviously still in Oriel as players and as a group. Would you prefer going to the big open surroundings of of Tala, or are you still more comfortable? bringing teams to kind of that small 
you know old school type stadium i think you want as good an atmosphere as you can have you know to kind of you know give you that little bit of an edge and we, we get a better atmosphere in or because mm. you know people are comfortable there they know what to do and saying that we always bring a good traveling support to tala when when we do play down there and i think the next round should we go through we'll be away from Oriel so mm. um, you know it's the last time that kind of European football can be in Dundalk mm. for this season so um, what about what about the pitch as well like what do you prefer and is it a thing with the Dundalk players now that like they're actually we're on grass this week or does it doesn't matter to you well we're used to it this stage that you know the Oshawa certainly much improved surface to has to it regressed it looks it looks to me now last Thursday it looked like it was slightly just getting a bit wear and tear compared to maybe it's start there's regular UEFA regulations with how you know high the ball how how high the ball can bounce so certain adjustments have to be made for that and in my opinion I'm I think bringing that into Irish international games Jeez, that'd be interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the, it actually doesn't help you know. The way they have to, you have to set the pitch up, isn't the ideal kind of play that we'd like to play on. Um, but so, what does that, what does that mean then? Like in terms of what do they actually do to it? I think they just have to put more of the of the, the, black of, the of the rubber stuff on. That's why I was wondering about that because mm. it, it looked shocking. Yeah. It looked shocking mm. on Thursday, and yeah. it looked like it was affecting the game at, at times. You know. Yeah, but obviously, look, every footballer wants like likes playing on grass. Um, you know, we're not going to lie about that just because we've a, an Astro in Oriel, but. Look, we're used to it, and we train on it when when we have to play on before. So, um, yeah, we're used to it now. And wh- what was a better goal? Your goal in Warsaw or your goal at the Brandywell for UCD? No, two two completely different goals. I I preferred. I don't even know which one I preferred to be honest. Um, they were both very special, and uh, I think obviously the one in Europe, but because of the the game that it was. Um, probably takes a little bit more what about more your, your nonchalant celebration though you're kind of like running back to the halfway line oh it's only one goal we need another yeah everyone, and then the boys in the sideline were kind of like wow what e- just happened though? everyone gives me a, a bit of grief over that I actually did a little very ce- chilled out dude like yeah I am yeah but I, I gave a little cele- <laughs> I gave a little celebration before the camera came on to me so I've learned now to pause a little bit then do a celebration <laughs> but, um, went for a dink in Inchi Core there in the Pats game Ger, uh, with his I think it was with your right, right foot. foot yeah, yeah. Absolutely, it would have been a screamer. It's but uh, you tipped onto the bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, it's. I think it's a. You know, when you're kind of off balance like that, I think it's a very effective technique to get. You know, you have the most room to play with, rather than you know striking striking yeah. through. More, you know, I'm a big fan of Dennis Bergkamp growing up, and that's what he always used to say that you know you have bigger chance for error going up and down over the keeper. I will say one thing though: your 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 kind of your dummy kind of jink thing. I think if I ever played you, I'd actually read you because you do it so often at this stage. <laughs> but you just kind of drop and then and then the player obviously sells himself. But does Messi like, not always go on his left foot, Johnny, now? Well, I've actually taken <laughs> you haven't played against Johnny. You'll read I him. I haven't, haven't played against Messi. <laughs> I've actually had to do a double bluff now in training right. that people so, you know, can read me so that I go, go to hunt and keep going and people then you know, try to read me. And that that, that doesn't surprise me at all. So anyway, we're, we're speaking about stadiums, so we're going oh, to stick we on that team. Um, this is why we brought you in, Ger. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, also, you know, he, he just happens to be in the area as well. But no, no, like it's, 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 we're sort of laughing, but obviously been a frustrating week I guess for, for Pats well we'll see we'll get your perspective on it now um, that obviously things haven't worked out as you would have wanted um, that the preferred option that's been nominated I suppose from, from the government and, and, and Owen Murphy laid it out is that it's the, uh, the, the social housing the cost rental plan in Michael's estate rather than the, the Pat Stadium perspective or the Strath Stadium proposal now I think you you 
think you took the social media on I think Monday morning and you laid Friday it. morning yeah. no, Friday morning yeah. sorry yeah Friday morning because of course that's when it broke initially mm. and you, you you went for a thread I think as they call it nowadays the kids uh, but you sort of quite passionately outlined your disappointment with the, the course of action that's been taken leaving your own probably mm. bias you know out of it in terms yeah. of wanting the stadium to happen but we're speaking now what, on, on Tuesday, sort of four or five days on from that. I know the club haven't given up hope. Just look, where do things stand and what's your view on, 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 on where we're going with this now? Um, well, obviously, we, we've seen the, the release yesterday of the plans. Um, I've seen them. We met up last night in the club with, with Tom O'Matney, the president, and a couple of other people in the club, and we've, we've gone through them. It's very frustrating um, first of all, for the people of Inchicore, because uh, a lot of my family would have lived in, in the flats and stuff like that, and, and still do live around um, on Emmett Road and stuff like that. And it's um, there's not enough there at this moment in time for the people that live there. There's no, there's, as I said in, in, in the tweets, there's one bank link in, in the spare shop. I mean, that closes, there's no access to it. Okay, there's a couple of garages, but people just can't walk down to these places. There's no parking facilities there's a small kind of express Tesco so the age of profile of people that live in Inchicore would be traditionally a lot older and there's nowhere for them to go shopping they have to go to Crumlin they have to go to Thomas Street they have to go to Ballyferma they have to get taxis there's pubs there's bookies there's fast food restaurants there's nothing for the kids to do there's no playing surface for kids if a, gr- if a group of 15 year olds wanted to go play football now they probably have to go 15, 20 minutes away. There's, there's nothing in the area at all. There's businesses there. There's no banks. There was three at one stage. There's none. Now, I know the way things have gone with, with banks now. It's all online, but there's nothing there for businesses at all. There's nothing there to attract. And the regeneration is coming out from the city centre, and it's just stopping. And now the problem is they're calling this a regeneration when it's not really. It's, it's very frustrating that even in the statement it's saying... Um, that they're going to have some shopping facilities or and or so there's nothing definite in it they're talking about putting libraries and playgrounds but do you think that was a last minute response to some of the stuff over the weekend um i would suggest that this is it looks like it's going to be um the minister's uh kind of little kind of project that he wants to do there's obviously the guys are in from the eu with funding and stuff like that they were obviously over there but they're focusing very much on the affordable housing type yeah and uh, listen there's nobody going to sit around this table here that's going to say that we don't know that this country needs more houses for people who are in need of them need more than houses though we do but what about the people that are there already and i made a couple of comments about that people who are there already you know there's no point in beating around the bush it's the the rate of unemployment and the rate of young people getting into trouble and getting into serious crime it's going to come back and haunt them again you know you had the likes of Kyo Square where Michael's estate was and Kyo Square was basically you know if you couldn't pay your rents you were turfed out and sent to Kyo Square or if you were antisocial in in the houses that you were sent to Kyo Square and that's where you lived and it's basically the barracks and then they stick up these kind of big towers, which they done in Ballymun. They realise that they don't work because they just keep pushing in more and more people. And I'm not saying that this is going to happen now, but it's very, very difficult for those people now because when they knocked down the flats, they were basically pushing them in 
and pushing them in and pushing them oh, sorry pushing them out and they're all kind of splintered around into core and you, if you come down to into core at five o'clock to go for food before a game you won't find anywhere You'll I find. used to live in Inchicore. It's it's so deprived in terms of yeah. anything you'd want, really. Like apart and from, as you say, pubs, fast food, and bookies. Like, and this is the thing. I'm gonna meet up with one or two of um, one or two of the the kind of the, the other ministers and and stuff like that over the next couple of weeks. Because and some of the local councillors. Yeah, yeah. Because they have been quite active. On yeah, they have been. And, and in fairness, some of them have been um, given. I know the club had to release a statement the other day because there's a lot of passion around it. But you know, we we need to take the stadium. Um, from a Pat's point of view as well of what Garrett was trying to do and what the club were trying to do is that they were trying to build a town centre basically into an area and, and still kind of tick all the boxes of houses and stuff like that so it's not a big property play here you know what I mean it's not that at all the stadium was going to sit on top of this new state-of-the-art facility which was going to house the likes of shopping centres cinemas libraries you know youth groups all this type of thing and exactly, and still have the same amount of houses because would they have been rich, pushed back rich. a bit? I think this is one of the points that would be made. Where would what would the quality of that housing have been? I guess. Well, I'd say at this moment in time, it's of similar um, information to what was released yesterday. I don't think anybody kind of knows. Like yesterday was announced that there was going to be, I think, seventy odd um, houses built for all folks. This is the toward government, I think, or the toward uh, time that this has been out. This is the money is just hasn't been there. If this is ten years, so you can take those seventy houses out. There's only four hundred twenty going in because they've been earmarked for years now. So we were going to redevelop uh, Richmond Park as well as houses across the road, and then you would have had this new facility. But listen, I think where it's at now is that the people of Inchicore need to um, stand up and go to their local councillors. They need to go and speak to the people that represent them and say. That if this is the best uh, outcome for Inchicore, well, then they need, or this is the outcome that's going to happen, they need to be happy with it. But if it's not, I'm not saying that they need to go with air proposal. These people need to go with something that they have elected these people for a reason and they need to be their voice. They can't just turn up with people from the European Union and say, this is what we're going to do, this is the new pilot project. <clears throat> people of Inchicore being let down too much. So you, you said you, were, you met Tom Matley last night. Do you think there's still hope for the proposal then? Oh, listen, I've been asked this numerous times today and yesterday. I think it's going to be difficult because... Um, it seems to be a fair bit of cross-party support for this as well. A little bit. Now, I'm going to meet Owen O'Brien next week in Sinn I know he's the kind of the housing minister for... Um, or the housing representative spokesman, spokesman yeah. for, for Sinn Féin. I'm going to speak to him and, and a couple of other people because, as I said to you, it's not just about sticking more houses into an area because, as, as I said in the tweets, these guys will do that and take the pats on the back and disappear. And then in 15 years' time, when these kids are all grown up and nothing to do, we're going to have the same antisocial because it's engraved in society in this area, in these working-class facilities. And unless, unless we kind of... Um, take stock of, of what's gone on in the past I don't think the future will change the, just a, this line from Tom Matley's statement yesterday and I know, I know these are questions you would put to him maybe rather than putting to you yeah. but just to you might be on top of it the, the response we received from Dublin City Council included a commitment to support the redevelopment of Richmond Park and or the development of alternative grounds for St Patrick's Athletic um, what a preferred option remains the development of an arena as part of the redevelopment of Michael's estate we will also engage with the council in relation to this commitment I mean is there any meat on the bone of that or is that sort of a, well, a that's what we, we need to chase we don't know what's being meant by that because um, 
Greg Kelly, Councillor Greg Kelly, Kelly, who represents Sinn Féin um, in the area, would be a, a bit staunch uh, Pat's fan. Um, and basically, we, we want to go back to the table to speak to them. We, we have The club has met uh, the powers to be about this, and it's gathered a lot of support on it. But I think there's just a, a little feeling there that no matter how much support we were going to get or how much our idea was really good. And to be honest with you, I've heard off the record from one or two people that certain decision makers thought that air plan was probably the best plan may have came just a little bit too late so I don't I don't know where this is too late going. as in if this had been proposed maybe three four years ago it might have got the maybe got the, got the march yeah maybe and it, it just seems to be now that this has kind of caught the um the eye of everybody and we'll need to know there's there is other uh, proposals coming down the line of different things but I think we just want to make sure that everyone is going to be 100% sure what's going to happen going forward that we don't want to kind of let them do this without hearing or letting us give us another opportunity to kind of talk to them on it and in fairness we've got a fantastic uh, owner and you know people have questioned why this wants to be happening but he wouldn't be at the club through the times that have gone on over the last number of years if he didn't have something for the area and the club and and um, and I'm, I just hope that they can get back to the table and, and discuss it because uh It'd be such a pity that if this opportunity was missed, not only for ourselves, but for, for Inchicore itself. What's the scope to develop Richmond Park if this falls through? I think it'll be, it certainly wouldn't be of the same scale as what was proposed. I think people kept getting caught up in 12,000 um, seat or stadiums. These stadiums are up all over. You know, Rovers played in front of a 55,000 seat stadium the other day. There was 8,000 in it. They don't have to be full. Sure. They can be used. You know, you go to, if, if we all left here and went to the Aviva now, there's probably five or six different types of meetings being on in the Aviva. We needed, and the, and the country needs more, you know, world-class, whatever category stadium this would be. Um, for the likes of, you know, Dundalk and, and ourselves and Rovers and others to get that, if we do get to... Um, you know, to, to, to better, you know, stages of, of Europe and stuff like that. And, you know, it's um, it just wasn't about the ground. Like, you know, that's the most frustrating thing. So to come back to your question, I'm not too sure. Um, I'm sure um, I'm sure Gareth and, and, and the club will uh, look at it closely. Yeah, um, I think we're all hoping that that will work out, uh, particularly um, those of us who actually do live around the area. And, uh, and best of luck to Pats and see what happens in the next while with that. Um, it's back to, uh, we, we just talked about the results actually from last week as well. Um, Maybe we can deal with them like, as we look ahead to this week. Seems like a long, long time ago now. Um, I mean, Pat, Pat's Limerick last Friday. I mean, with this, with this thing going on in the background, was it was it a bit demoralising? Just the, you know, the, there was this sort of freshness around the announcement when it happened, and a, of the, there's a bit of a buzz coming back to the club. Does this go to, the other way in terms of coming into that game? Uh, Maybe not for the current players, but yeah, more not, the not staff. For the, not for the, the players. The yeah, I think for, for uh, yeah for the staff and and the people, the officials in the club, it probably would have been. We we kind of knew about a tour say that this was going to come out on Friday, and um, but to be honest with you, it, 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 I think the game itself. We're talking about football here. We needed this win really badly like you know seven losses on the yeah, balance, yeah it's you know and the most frustrating thing I could sit here and pick holes in every single one of them defeats and say this and I'm sure Robbie will will say that you know the game we played against them we found ourselves one up they had a lot of the ball and you know Lee Desmond unfortunately tries to take somebody on and all of a sudden it's 1-1 and then we have a throw in and it's a counter attack it's 2-1 and then we hit the post and 
Gary Rogers made a great save. Slightly harsh in taking players on now. He kind of lost <laughs> possession more than that. He was oh, kind of well, yeah, playing out of the back. Out of the back. <laughs> but like Simon Madden's had one. Gary Rogers made a couple of good saves. Dan Massey, is, I'm not sure. I can't remember. I think we hit the bar or just played very bar. well. This is up until the 93rd minute, and then Dundalk get a corner. Oh, we get a corner. We try another one. They break and they win three one. It's the exact same in Cork. We get back to one one. We hit the bar. We have one cleared off the line. We have a decision in the middle of the pitch that didn't go away, and all of a sudden you're you're beaten like so. It was those were the small things. Um, Bowles was was a <laughs> if we had we could have been four or five up at half time. We played really well. We went in one down from an absolute screamer by, by Devaney and we just didn't get we just couldn't recreate them chances in the second half and that's the way it going but it doesn't look. We've gone through half know. of the games now anyway. Yeah. yeah, I've only got four more to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, it, it was it's been it's been such a poor run and we knew um we knew how big the game was. Like, you know, when the problem with Pats now is you're kind of in the middle of nowhere, like mm. you're just mm. not gonna go down and Europe is obviously um probably a bit ambitious, but if if not Got the cup to come as well, though I suppose, don't you? It's just so, you've, yeah. you've, you've, you kind of forget that the cup is like a place in Europe, just because we're so used to mm. the, the Dundalk Cup final sort of uh, era, you know. The the, the Bowes game, though, Dan, in terms of the Bray situation, <clears> was very worrying. I thought to watch it. It, it really sort of highlights. It, it was today. shocking. Like it sounded like six 0 was flattering to, to Bray. Bray. Yeah, um, and considering yeah. Bowes have been um, so. <laughs> it's it's grim. I mean, Robbie, just to, like as you were talking earlier about. You know the the professional life that you're living at the moment, and the the quality of of life that maybe the Dundalk guys are having, and we see with Cork and Rovers, the standard sort of setters. I mean, look, what what do you make as a player of the stuff that's been going on at Bray and Limerick the last while? Is it, is it <coughs> deflating that this is this is going on in your league? So while things are going very well for you guys, this is going on in, at the same level. Yeah, sad to see, and you know, every, I think you know, there's everyone in our squad has connections to players and friends in Bray and, and Limerick and you know we definitely do sympathise and we're from my own point of view my time in the league with Dundalk and before that UCD I've never had a problem with you know any sort of payment and I probably do take it for granted and that's not the norm really in the league that's that players are paid paid all the time but look it wouldn't be tolerated kind of in any work stream you know you wouldn't go into work if, if, if you weren't getting paid yeah. you know for, for seven weeks so um, yeah, it's definitely deflating. And look, we just want the players in the league just want the league to be taken as seriously as it can. And when you see headlines every week, or you know, every so often of of just bad publicity for the league, it makes our jobs seem less professional yeah. than they really are. Did you, uh, do you encounter that in day to day life, or just chatting to people, or you're you're just conscious of? Well, day to day life, day to day life, really does not make you talk to me about the grand, to be honest. But, yeah, because um, you do live a fairly normal life outside of it. Like you were a very intelligent lad back in school. You know, could have gone on a different pathway. Yeah, and probably, probably would have. I'd never really, when I was eighteen, nineteen in UCD, I never foresaw myself going down the route to playing the league round. I didn't think it was sustainable, but. You didn't I, think it was sustainable in terms of in terms of living. Yeah, you yeah. know, and I didn't think. Well, I didn't. The desire in me to be a professional footballer wasn't really there at that point, but it's kind of when we were in, we got into Europa League with UCD my last season, and you know we did very well. I can have a crack at this in the game. Yeah, it's kind of thinking, well, what could I do if, if I, um, you know, if I really did dedicate myself to this? And I was a little bit burnt out from from studying for that was my fifth year in college, having you know been in school you're before. Usually that. burnt out from stuff other than studying if you're in college five years. Yeah, not not for me. No, um, but. <laughs> You what know, what did you get in the evening again? Six hundred points. Yeah. Six so six so what did you what what did you want to do then? Um, 
I didn't know. Yeah. I, I did science for my undergrad because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then as I went through that, I decided, okay, there's a, a master's in actuarial science was, was appealing to me for for a, a job down the road. And that's probably where, I, where I'll end up, um, you know, when I finish football. But not many players would say that. You actually, you actually, you actually enjoy the subject, though, don't you? You actually going to quite like the uh, the science side of things. Yeah, yeah, I do. It was always maths and always interested me when I, when I was in school. You know, people, you know, it's it's maths and and science kind of. You know, I was interested. I still am. Um, Did you get much chat about it in the dressing room with the doc now on the hot topics? Uh, you, you'd be surprised. You were in Jean. Yeah, you look. There's there's many many intelligent. I'm sure there's plenty in in the past dressing room as well. And, <laughs> uh, Jared, Connor O'Malley there anyway. Jared he's don't know Connor's gone. He's yeah. gone. Yeah, yeah but like when I, my first year in in there, there was a lot of lads who were ex UCD, and um, you know even now, Sean Horn, Jamie McGrath were in were in Minute, So there's a lot of. Uh, and of course, we signed uh, Georgie Kelly there recently. So another student. I was getting a bit lonely up there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, but it is something like longer term. You can see yourself returning to that field. I, I think, or I give you sort of suggest that I think yourself. Yeah, I don't before. know. I don't know how long I'm going to be going to be playing football. Have you given up on going to England, going to Britain? Um, was it ever an aspiration? Beyond? It was when I was younger, and then yeah. you know that completely disappeared. As I said, I, I didn't want. I didn't even think I'd. I play football beyond the age. But when you're when you're when you're getting these goals in Europe and you're playing well and it's mooted as a possibility. Look, everyone wants to play at the highest highest level that they can, and um, I think there's kind of a, a thing now where what is a better level than the dock? You know, where some lads have have moved on and. The, they're not happy with where they're playing. They're, they say, "Look at McElhenney." But I was just going to say, yeah. Does does the McElhenney yeah. example show you need to pick where you go because? Maybe you don't want to say it, but certainly you hear stories that Oldham wasn't maybe the best environment, and he probably chose badly. You yeah, know, in terms go, of going back to, to what I was saying about wanting to be taken as professional as, as as we can. I think if a player in the league now went over to England, the general view would be that he's more of a pres- professional footballer than we are here, where that's completely not the case. We train as hard and as professionally as 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 anyone in England, probably probably even more so to be honest. Um, but again, what is what is a better level? And that's what I think. What it comes to down to the the environment. Dundalk have created their own environment, and it's a proper full time environment. It's the rest of it that needs to catch up. It's the Bray situation. It's the Limerick situation. That's probably where, as a player, if I'm looking, if I'm twenty two, twenty three again, I'm getting this opportunity. I'm probably looking and saying, well, okay, I'm in a full time environment for my club, but then I'm not in a full time league. And mm. that's probably a difference of it. But I think you're right, Dan. I think for any of those Dundalk boys that have made the next step, it's always about picking the right one because, you know... It's easy in hindsight. But surely life, lifestyle, maybe lifestyle comes into it as well. That as you get a small bit older, I mean, do the guys want to necessarily just... To say that they're in England, want to just go and play in, I don't know, Fleetwood or somewhere, just, just to say that they're away when... You might have a pretty good life, you know, and a good and a good setup here, and mm. you know, I think people accept championship level, and you know, there's there's always going to be offers that are going to tempt people away, but there is a sense sometimes that lads just want to be away because they want to say that they're away, exactly. and they'll take whatever they take, mm. just just so they can almost oh, I'm over I'm over mm. in England. And we were that, brought that, up with the diet of English football. But that, but that's that what exi- we were. That exists. And surely you've yeah. encountered that, you know, and the. And, Lads who are just very keen just to get away just because they yeah, want to... Probably more, more so happens with younger players, yeah. I think, 17, yeah. 18-year-olds. But um, I think you can see, 
you know, I think Rovers are a good example. 17, 18 year old, probably the best at their age in the country now are getting a chance to play first team at team that are challenging, you know, mm. uh, as, as Rovers will be. So that's kind of something that hasn't been, that wasn't there maybe five or 10 years ago. I think that's a great positive to come out of it as well. Um, the other results from the weekend were obviously uh, Waterford near the Shamrock Rovers won. That was a big win. And interesting enough, Manus was back in goal. Um, big save from Akinada, I think. He made an unbelievable yeah. double save, actually, yeah. Manus. And it was just kind of, I suppose, Bazuna was like... Uh, yeah, t- in a tie injury, I think they said. But, I mean, okay. Manus had to play at some stage. I'm sure. Yeah, it just, it really... I think Rovers in the last month or so, when you look at Manus, how he played, and the amount of clean sheets they've kept, they've definitely turned a corner. In some how many respects, games have they lost this season? They've lost... Eight, uh, eight, yeah. and like they've conceded, I think one in the last seven or something like that, um, in 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 ninety minutes, and uh, then obviously Cork were playing Derry last night. Um, I just, I don't know, I, I just don't buy the the. But actually, Robbie, just to bring you in on this, would you have minded playing Sligo at the weekend? I I thought this was harsh in Sligo. Um, obviously the fixture situation has been discussed in Sligo going so long without a game, but. I felt sorry because the squad you have, and also it was sandwiched between two home games for Dundalk in Europe, so it wasn't that big of a deal to rock up and slide on Sunday. Yeah, obviously it's it's better preparation. It gives us a better preparation, but I think teams just want a level playing field and Sligo I think 11 weeks without a home fixture. You know that's it doesn't it doesn't that's crazy. It doesn't work in this league. Um, and I think the fi- the fixture problem has been one of the biggest problems. Uh, in the league and as I said you know teams just want to have a level playing field that they can have regular home games to spread their you know mm. their income across and um, that's something definitely that needs to be looked at in, in next year and absolutely uh, actually just to mention there's like a Rovers their last five league results beat Brave 5-0 Limerick 2-0 Derry 2-0 Cork 0-all and beat Watford 1-0 away it's serious going from Rovers obviously it's far too late to challenge um, but Robbie, we're going to have to chat uh, about uh, the Cypriots, Larnaca, and uh, I suppose, have they changed much since they played Cork? If, if you remember, listeners, last year, they weren't that great against Cork, but they kind of smuggled through 2-0 on aggregate after getting a late goal in Turner's Cross. Have they changed much since then from Rory Higgins, your uh, opposition performance and analyst's uh, perspective, if that's what he's called? A uh, couple of personnel changes, but not... Too many. A lot of the players who played last year, um, obviously they're they're a good side, and the Cypriot League is a very good league. That's why they're in the. They didn't have to go through the first mm-hmm. qualifying round. They're straight into the second based on their, based on their their league's coefficient. Even though we are to see the team in the round, um, it's going to be difficult. And as I said before, that team will probably punish for us for the mistakes that we made against Tallinn. But um, in saying that, we are confident without being a. Being too complacent either. How do you think it'll go, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I've just reading there. I think Larnick have travelled without a couple of players through injury. I think the guy who scored the goal against Cork last year and the second leg. I mean, they were the, sort of a savvy side last year. I mean, a lot of experience. If you remember the, the the Cork home game, I mean, it was a bit of a smash and grab. As much as Cork didn't really create that much, because I remember. I think uh, Alex Neal was at that game watching Maguire because I think the deal was sort of gone through but he was that was his farewell and I remember the whole Preston team were there and Cork were well in the game without really should have had a penalty lay, yeah they didn't lay it loving them really it was a sort of a, a team that came away and I think what's going to be interesting to see is will they come to Dundalk with that sort of mindset of 
I don't know, just try and just just take the game back home um, to Cyprus and try and do it. But they ended up winning in Cork last year. Anyway, second game was a bit of a non-event. So I don't know. Like they 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 look decent. They they have a big Spanish flavor. I think in their squad. They're certainly uh, they if they get into a lead that you know they, they look like they'd be well able to sort of manage that position if they got into it but I don't think there's anything hugely to be terrified the, of this I think so- uh, Apoel the Cypriot champions got beaten in um, the Champions League by the Lithuanian side Carlos Trevzuka's old team yeah uh, so, sort of a, yeah yeah so I mean it's a strong league but I guess I mean, from the Dundalk guys perspective like they would have played against the guys who were there from the run would have played against better teams you know? this but is something I've actually just come up with now in, literally oh, in the last minute this, this and here, here, here is one for you and here this will test your 6A1s or whatever it was right <laughs> since you played Legia in Lansdowne Road to the best of my knowledge right you have played 7, 8, 9, 10 11 games in Europe what was unique about those 11 games no team won by more than a goal. So in 11 games in Europe, it's basically been decided by one goal or it's been a draw. Considering that's included games against Rosenberg, um, Zenit, uh, AK Alkmaar, and most recently, Levadi Italian. AZ, yeah, yeah. All, AZ, rather. All your games have been that close, AK-47, which is AK-47, <laughs> which is quite incredible. Yeah, well, like, we haven't, we haven't won by more than a goal and we haven't lost by more than a goal, as I said, so... The games are awful, awful tight in Europe, and it is, as I said, a, a definite step up to the quality that you'd face week in, week out. But we would be, we would be, we would see it as a as, as a disappointment should we not get through this round. That's great. It's, that's great. And I actually, I have to say, I admire Stephen Kenny saying, "Why can't they dream of playing Strong Grats or um, Ajax. Ajax the next round?" And it's not looking ahead. It's just that's the that's the goal. If we can get there, that's the next step. And we're not taking this game lightly. But why can't we dream? Because you may dream something of reality in 2016. He's a very positive thinker, Stephen. Um, he, you know, he really gets players believing, and you know, he's. Europe, especially, he get you know he, he creates a bit of a narrative in in his in his talks you know week to week and um, creates a bit of a narrative. That's a good way of putting it. I thought yeah. that narrative was missing from Cork City, in the sense of how they performed against Legia. So I think Kenny deserves a lot of credit for that. That he, you're not afraid. Yeah, look, he he knows that you know we're going to be playing really good opposition and uh, there's times that they will have the ball. But why? Just because they're a good side and they'll have a lot of ball, why can't we? You know, it does mean we can still try and retain possession and have as much of it as we can in the game. The the, the younger lads in the group, I mean, I mean, it's only two years since like the the run. But there's been a lot of turnover in that time. I mean, are the lads ask you lads questions that are there, the ones that are there from that time, or do you almost need to park the 2016 memories because it keeps coming back to it every time? It's like, oh, what was the run like? What was the run like? But actually, I mean, quite a few of that group weren't there you know they have, they have to create their own sort of uh, story don't they yeah it's quite a, you know it's, a, it's abnormal to you know the, the thing that we did so there's obviously going to be questions and just kind of general like what what was it like in that yeah. but in terms of how it reflects to this year it's it's completely different and um, you know a lot of the players as you said haven't you know had the experience we had we went out in the first round against Rosenberg last year and unlike Cork we, we were just straight out we're not into Europa League so the experience in Europe, the more games you play, you know, the, the better you're able to manage it. You can recall kind of past events and, you know, situations that you're in before against kind of t- teams like that. Whereas a lot of the new lads in our squad won't have had that. 
So coming up against a bit of more adversity in the next round, that'll be a challenge for them and the rest of us. What what was it like actually that goal? Like what was it like just scoring that goal in Warsaw in front of? I remember the atmosphere was incredible that night, and for somebody who'd, you know. I suppose come through a career highlight such as having 600 points and you're leaving then you're scoring in Warsaw I mean what was it like? It was a bit surreal and like yeah. I probably I, I probably wouldn't have started the game only for Stephen O'Donnell got suspended in the first leg so yeah it was especially it was the best atmosphere I've ever played in front of and I think you'd be hard to find an atmosphere like that oh, it was amazing. anywhere around yeah. the world um, and yeah. You know, coming out and they just had such a like you hear of you know around Europe ultra. These were real, real proper ultras. And all the behind. flares. Yeah, it, it was really incredible. And you couldn't hear. I remember one point in the game where Gary Rogers clipped the ball out to to Dane Massey, and it was coming to me behind Dane, and I was screaming at the top of my lungs for it, and he headed it because he didn't hear me. It was just that loud. But in terms of the goal itself, I didn't, I didn't even see the ball hitting the back of the net, so I didn't. I didn't realise how hard I struck it, you know, when I looked up the ball was in the net, so it was only until I watched it back that I kind yeah, of realised. You're was actually crazy. looking down at hitting the ball and yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit better um, than I thought it was at the time. A question from we we got to a few tweets now, a question from Alex Sims. What's the greatest moment of your career? The goal against Bate or Legia, yeah, you forget about the Bate goal. For me, it's Batty, the biblical reign in Tala, and that goal to seal the tie just made it such a memorable moment. Here's to many more, Bob, and you are obviously known as Bob. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah, Sideshow Bob. I know no, you're I think it was, um, it was actually Keith Ward. Um, ah, I actually saw knowledge. him uh, um, kicking a barrel into a cellar there the other day in town. <laughs> uh, it was my, one of my, my first weekends in Dundalk when I signed, and he he came up to visit Stephen Donald, who he's good friends with, and he... He just started saying and then it Bob. stuck just out of nowhere. So um, never been called Bob before in my life. Not called Bob outside of football, but there we are. That's the way it is. Um, a few other questions. Oh, back to the question. Uh, definitely oh, yeah. the, the Bate moment. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. The Bate one? Yeah, the Bate one. Oh, yeah. it, was a bit, it was a better moment uh, for me. Just uh, the fact that it sealed us into the group stage and just everyone was so so jubilant. And uh, Did you, did you throw the keeper with the going one way and then the other? Because you went left and right and you hit it with your right foot. Yeah, I didn't really think too much about it. I just mm. thought I'd score if I hit that side. That was that was basically it. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's not. Uh, you don't have to put too much thought into it. You can't things. beat the two-footed players, sure. No, no. You have to have it in your in your locker. I think you're doing your, yourself a disservice and your team a disservice if you can't, yeah. you know, use use your weaker foot to get out of situations or, or take shots on when it, they're on. It's mad though. That, like I, I still look at this. There are a lot of players out there who are very, very one-footed, and it's I, 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 When you think of Nigel Winterburn for Arsenal back there, I never remember him hitting the ball once his right foot. But he was one of the best left backs in England. Mm. And uh, yeah, a few other questions. Anyway, I, I saw you. You've got. A, yeah. No. No. I, is that your point? I, I don't really have one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just checking. Uh, TTSRFC. Um, maybe ask Robbie about the general hack of that lone town FC. Also, he's a bright bloke. So his reflections on Dundalk and Athlone as inverted commas football towns might be interesting. A lot to take. Athlone. I'm more of a numbers man than a kind of political, geopolitical kind of thing. I think Jerk <laughs> kind of answered the question about who has better than I could, so maybe ask him. But um, yeah, it's definitely sad to see you know the way Athlone is at the minute. Um, I don't really know too much in the ins and outs of, of what's really going on there, but what I do know is there's definitely, you know, a disconnect between the club and the fans and the club and the community as a whole in that loan there's not that much engagement as far as I can see 
Um, I know when I go home at the weekends and run into people that, you know, have been supporters for 20, 30 years and I'd be talking to them, they said they haven't been to a game in, in God knows how long. And the difference between Athlone, like Dundalk, it's a real, you know, they're both football towns, as as he said, but Dundalk engage with the community, engage with the fans, and there's a real, you know, it's the football club is the centre of the community almost in Dundalk, where you know, in Athlone, it's it's just not that. And um, it's sad to see, because I have great memories when I was young, going down to Mel's Park, you know, went to every game almost with my dad and my brother, so. You went to St. Mel's? Went to St. Mel's, yeah. yeah. What, what's St. Mel's now? St. Mel's is just dilapidated now. It's I just think, left yeah. there. I think it's just yeah. a field now. Yeah, I, I, I was like that, because it it's actually more so more local to me than Galway, and I'm saying that to Robbie, that it was, there was a great whole atmosphere there. Yeah. To see now a club that seemed more intent, actually, on effectively threatening legal action on its fans than actually getting them into the ground, as far as I can see, um, it's really, really pathetic. And especially because they've a lot... Like, we in Galway look and we're like, you have a lovely ground there. You have something to build on. Like, we, we rent off, we've nowhere to train. And uh, since that loan moved into Lissy Woolen, it just... It, hasn't taken off and it's sad mm. no the first no. I went to the first game when I can't remember I don't know how long I can't remember how old I was it would have been 14 or 15 at the time and you know the stand is packed in Lissy Woolen Lissy Woolen the new stand it's yeah. even that long ago actually it's there that long yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, hard yeah. to believe you're 26 or 7 now, yeah so they're 12 13 years yeah. it's hard to believe what's mm. happened like yeah but I remember I remember it and you know the stand was full there's been games there where the stand has been full you know higher profile games so it's kind of a thing as well where if you're successful uh, people will come mm. and if you're not you know to kind of stay away I think maybe a good example would be kind of Sligo like their community engagement seems to be very good and their crowds in mm. general have stayed good despite them falling off absolutely as opposed to win the league and I don't know how Pat's crowd might have been might be down a little bit you yeah, well, well, air kind of community engagement has only kind of restarted again over the last kind of 12 months Whereas when I first came as a player six or seven years ago, it was was good. We were in schools and stuff like that, and we were probably in the height of our success with leagues and cups and stuff. But um, it just, I think you just can't neglect it in this league. You just can't neglect it, and it's funny that the question, like Robbie, Stephen Kenny went into Dundalk two thousand and twelve. End of twenty twelve. Yeah. End of twenty twelve. Mm. They had just about stood up in a playoff. Just about stayed alive. We beat them in the semi final of the cup up there 3-0 I think it was uh, on a Sunday afternoon and it wasn't a huge crowd there from them and then all of a sudden they're challenging for titles 12 months later but it's as Robbie said to me downstairs about the game they were queuing up for tickets it's sold out signs I think have gone up to, they were queuing up for tickets today so it's just amazing what a football club can do to a community Does it frustrate you to see the big crowd at the Newcastle game? Yeah, it, it, like I, I kind of, I'm gone. That used to really wreck my head. Now yeah. I'm like, whatever. It's, Apparently, it there was a lot of traveling fans though. As well, oh, there was about, there was about, I'd say, two seven, maybe two six Newcastle. Yeah. What? Mm. Away two, fans. Two thousand six hundred. Oh, that's phenomenal like. yeah. and they were fantastic the they're actually coming over from England like. the club were, were brilliant as well the, the, the English English fans club fans just love coming over here even for pre-season yeah. you can see but like why not like they don't get the chance and uh, Oxford I think brought like 500 fans recently to a game oh well that's, that's ingrained in their culture yeah the yeah as well. you so that's, that's fair enough like there weren't mm. actually um, was well, it 5,000 jobs but you've you got you to mm. sell the experience to so, mm. you know the the Irish people are at the game say you know come along for real football and it's only natural that you know crowds are going to be better when teams are doing well that's just absolutely that's just it's human same, in God, same in anything yeah, exactly but you need to keep the people there 
who are there when times are good. You need to keep them there when results aren't going well. And there has to be some sort of community involvement or engagement with those fans that keeps them there. I think bowls are the way to bowl. Yeah, what bowls have done with a bang yeah. average team this season. Even, I think even the credit against Bray last week wasn't bad as mm. well. For, for probably the most unglamorous game you know, mm. you can have maybe at the moment. Uh, there was a question for you, Jer. Mm. Any sign of a centre forward before the window closes? <laughs> Larkin Carey. We've tried um, numerous numerous players, to be honest with you. The problem we have, and this comes back to the fixtures, is that you're trying to sell it. Okay, there's been one or two targets here. Um, locally that we've spoken to for one or two reasons clubs won't let them go or whatever but if you're trying to bring someone from outside in you've 10 games left and it's very hard to sell something when you've only got 10 games left they're unattached now or you know they've just been released the last thing they want to be doing is being unattached in November so we're we're still actively trying to get something in and you know Liam is working hard with with the club so hopefully we do have something at the end of the window if you're looking outside the league that is a real challenge isn't it you're trying to yeah. say lads come and play till the end of November or end of October sorry and then it's do nothing for two months it's frustrating like you know and we've 10 whatever it is 10 games left and then you've hopefully got a cup run and these guys or the agents are saying to Liam okay what happens in November you know I can't play until the se- in January in England so what happens you know, so give me an 18 month deal but you might be sure about them give me an 18 month deal you're, you're trying to you're watching videos and everything you're getting clips sent over and everyone looks unbelievable in these clips of course so it's uh it's just trying we're active listen it's not for the want to try and put like that. maybe you just need to get the best out of Thomas Byrne yeah what's well, it's played well on Friday the looks of it he came on he done well he, he, he brings a spark to it like you know um, he always brings a spark yeah the, <laughs> he, in fairness he done quite well against um Owls as well, um, but listen, he's still he's still so young. Like he's he's played a lot of games for us this season. He'll continue to play games. He's um, he's a great character, he, but he's a fantastic footballer. And we're just continuously working with man on off the pitch and hopefully the, the boy. Um, yeah, the boy Marky looked like he was influential on Friday. Yeah, we 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 tried him out kind of in a different position coming out starting out wide and coming in we didn't go with two wingers and it kind of we were a little bit disjointed first half but we needed to try something different and um, but in fairness we fixed that half time we made two two changes and we we were really dominant second half and I thought we deserved to win then Ro- Robbie Morton with a question for Robbie for Robbie um, what would success be this year what is the minimum we need to achieve so the dog fan I'm guessing um, obviously you're going to well, we went every season, you know, targeting the league first and foremost, and um, we really want to get it back this year. Having having lost last year to Cork, um, FAI for myself personally, FAI Cup. I haven't won one. Um, I was injured the first year. We got to the final when I was here last year. Felt we left that game behind us, so that's you know high in our priority list again. And as I've been saying earlier, group stages is the target, but. We'd see it definitely an underachievement if we don't get through this round in terms of in terms of our European success this year. Third round, fourth round, very difficult lot of top sides. We get losers of Ajax and Stormgrats who are two, you know, European powerhouses throughout the year. So it that'll be difficult and we'll probably overachieve if we win that, but it's definitely something that we don't see ourselves not doing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And let's hope they get through against Larnica. I've also been uh asked to ask you by someone who will remain nameless what is the Griff live show um, <laughs> Mark Griffin is uh, you know he's a very interesting character and um, he used to for about a month or so he used to have these you know he used to go live on Facebook and 
and I have a few shows, so he's a he's he's a great character, a funny lad, and you're obviously a fan. Yeah, I was a fan. Yeah, Who'd yeah, yeah. I'm involved in pr- in production. I think uh, <laughs> a couple of uh, production meetings and ideas, giving them a few things. Not sure they use any of them. But what, 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 like who who stars in this show? Just him. <laughs> Just him. <laughs> Just him. It's a one man show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There we are. Um, yeah, we have to get to fixtures, and uh, then we'll talk about the first vision briefly because Robbie. Uh, actually living close to Belfield and still has a huge interest and we're actually both at the UCD Galway game on Friday um, the first no, no, no sign of the Saudis in Galway John is there? no um, actually I can't can't tell you anything because I just don't know it's just gone very quiet uh, worryingly quiet um, hopefully no news is good news but I wouldn't be so sure um, the Premier Division at the weekend Bray versus Cork Derry against St. Patrick's interesting game for Pat's that I, I say I'd fancy them to get a win actually Limerick against what we have to do our fixtures our predictions. predictions and Limerick against Watford game that Watford wouldn't want to be taken too lightly considering Limerick's performance on Friday and Shamrock Rovers against Sligo Rovers um, and then uh, Dundalk against Bowes you are actually in action on Sunday, Sunday. and we should mention as well the Raphael uh, Cretaro uh, testimonial which um, I was to actually give a little plug to um, that is on Saturday 6 o'clock the showgrounds are playing a Raphael Cretaro 11 um, and in fairness to Raf, he's what, 36 or 7, still going strong, and he's from uh, Sligo as well, obviously a very popular local character. Um, I, I, I'm going to say, and this is, this is a bit out there Express now, predictions. I'm going to say Cork are going to beat Bray. Yeah, that's a big call, I'm going to go with you on that. Yeah. I was at the corresponding game when it was 5-0, 4-5-0, I think this could be pretty big, 7 or 8. Ah, no, obviously. If they play anything like they did against Bowes, it'll be about 14. 14. Yeah. <laughs> 14. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go for... Can we, can we actually do the prediction based on the score then? Yeah. So, it's a special episode. A special episode. I'm going to go Cork by two gold or less. That's two absolutely gold. insane. Though. Okay, it is. I, I, hence, okay. hence, that's my prediction. I tell, you, I tell you what, right? I will forego... Two the, fewer. the steak dinner is... is, is Kaput, it's gone. You don't have to pay for it if Cork don't win this by at least three. Okay, yeah, I'll take that. I think they'll I'll win by that. at least five. They, they might well do, and yeah. you know, and, and and maybe they should. Jake maybe Kelly is he on the radar at all for another club? Maybe, possibly. Because um, <laughs> funny enough, I, I just remember him coming in. He played in this game in earlier in the season. He was actually very good. Um, Bray have. Slightly gone downhill since. Johnny, you're rambling. Okay. Derry, Derry against Pats. Derry against Lock Pats. of the week time. You've gone for an away win. Lock you're of very, the week. Told your prediction. St. Patrick's. Lock of the oh, week. I know that, yeah. Um, oh. Draw. Limerick Waterford. What, can we can we get Jers input yeah, we on the game? Yeah, I mean, you're just... Jers, tra- travelling to the Brandywell. Fortress Brandywell. Yeah, they're actually quite good at home. I think Robbie, I think Dundalk are the only thing to beat them, maybe. 4-0, was it? Twice. Twice. Twice yeah. up there. Um yeah, we've had a really good. We've had good games off them this year, so um, I expect it to be tight. They're a good side. Listen, a lot of quality. Yeah, they do. They have a lot of really good players. Like so, um, you know. But we'll we'll go there. It's a great pitch. Um, if it's especially if it's watered. So um, you should have won the, the last time. That was yeah, we one should of have. the great results you let go this season. Yeah, big time. Yeah. But listen, um, <clears throat> I'd expect a tough game. Uh, Limerick against Watford, then. Yeah, I mean, I suppose Watford have lost a bit of their momentum. Um, but they, you know they've had a lot of changes, sort of played well against Rovers. And, but looks yeah, but it looks for the. I mean Limerick. It's funny you were Steve McGuinness and last week talking about how united that group is, and they've managed to survive some of the 
drama they've had without sort of uh, imploding, but I still think it, it can catch up to you over time. An away win. Away win. Without any great conviction. A, a stat there that I actually meant to say. In the last 13 games, Derry have conceded 34 goals. Yeah, well, they've conceded more goals than everyone else, I think, apart from Bray, isn't that so? It's absolutely just, shocking. Just on Limerick, like, you've you got to, I'd say, commend Tommy Barrett. Because I haven't heard one word come out of his mouth negative. No moaning. Know, there's no nothing going on. You know, we've signed the likes of Clarkey, uh, Connor Clifford, other big players or you know, so called big players have left the team as well. And he played two young wingers against I was us. Say, I was gonna ask you about them, yeah. They're very good. I, I, I really like Fitzgerald. That's so Sullivan is it uh, yeah, yeah, and Fitzgerald. And the two of them, um, you know, give them a lot of energy and they've got there was no whinge and no moaning from the group, even though they had a late goal, nothing from Tommy. Um, spoke to him before the game, spoke to him after the game, and I must say, you know, for the circumstances that is going down there, his first job as a manager, and this is where we speak about young managers, uh, you know, I really hope that, um, you know, that it stands to him going forward. Yeah. Uh, Your prediction, John? I'll go for an away win. Um, not that confidence. Sean McGrove against Sligo, um, I'm going to go for a home win, just because they don't really seem to be conceding goals, and I, I see them creating a few chances against Sligo Rovers in the Battle of the Yeah, I, I fancy the home win, and I fancy home win on Doc Bowes there. And, and a 7 o'clock on a Sunday evening job, Robbie, which is an interesting time to play a game. Yeah, I think the last, the, time Sunday played, game. the last time we played Bowes on a Sunday evening, Sunday. we won the league. So. There you go. Hopefully. Is that an omen for... Hopefully, yeah. This year, yeah. Um, you, have, you, you have a reasonably sized squad. I mean, you're going to have, I don't know, maybe, maybe Stephen will have a different plan. But you do have a lot of, I think another question we had was about the midfield options you have there. I mean, you look at the bench last week, you can bring in Adarjan, you know, like Ronan Murray, you've been on the fringes. Shevdukas. Shevdukas, McElhenney maybe coming back fit. I mean, it's, you probably can cope with the fixtures in terms of yeah, we're lucky, taking lads out if you can. We're you lucky know. to have a good squad and you know it's a dilemma for Stephen how he how managed it. It's, um, but he said the players there who ha- haven't been in the team of late, there's no moaning, there's no, you know, it's a real sense of, you know, togetherness and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if I'm out of the team down the road, you know, all I want is a, a league winner's medal, a cup winner's medal and go as far as you can in Europe, whether I'm in the team or out of the team, that's, that's what'll make me happy. That's a very noble attitude. Would you, would you, go to the man, would you yeah. ever go to the manager and say, God, I'm feeling it a bit? Or will he just leave that to the physio, the medical staff? Or, you know, if a player went up and said, geez, I'm struggling a bit here, would that be sort of turned upon? I said once or, once or twice, in the, this season, I've been fortunate, with, I've done a lot of work in injury prevention, but every year nearly I'd been playing and I'd, you know, missed a week here or there, two weeks here or there with injuries and I was feeling a little bit tight in one game and, or in between, we had a midweek game, and I, I said to him, I'm feeling a bit tight. And he said, Look, we'll you know, give you a, a break or whatever. But then when the team was picked and I wasn't in the team, I was a little bit like, God, I wish I was playing, you know. Mm-hmm. So you just you want to play, you want to play as much as you can. And um, yeah, look, it's Steve's decision how he, how he approaches this. It's not because it'd be Cork, if we think Cork would be brave, they will be top, you know, by the time that game comes around. Just, I you know, the game's in hand, but you sort of can't lose sight of the. The league picture here, mm. can it, and it can, I guess it can easily happen. But I mean, this is the bottom line: is is winning that title back, isn't it? Yeah, falling falling between two European games is a tricky one. My first season after we beat Bath, there we lost to Galway in Galway, and last year after Rosenberg, we lost to Rovers at home. So these games around Europe are really, really important not to lose track of. And you know, main no bones about it, we'll be you know we'll be fully focused on Sunday. What, 
what about your, your new strength conditioning coach? Because um, during the game on, on Friday, he was there, like, warming up with the lads. I said, who's this exotic-looking character that they must have signed? It was, like, it was actually the strength conditioning coach doing, like, running down the sideline with the subs. Monk What's Arkin, going on there? Yeah, UCD, another ex-UCD, yeah. yeah. Um, he's South African uh, uh, origin, so... Well, Irish, half Irish, half South African. So, uh, nobody's very good, and it's kind of given us a little bit of, you know, new ideas and new... Um, New beliefs, new techniques is uh, you kind of giving us a yeah. Were you instrumental in him coming or, or no, 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 no? Um, you know, I made it. I was speaking to the people at UCD on Friday and made sure that they didn't. You know, <laughs> no, I wasn't didn't poach. Oh yeah, yeah, didn't poach. Uh, but I was asked for. You know, when they were in contact with him, I was asked for. You know, I was asked how how he is and like, you, you know, give them a good advice. Oh, yeah, I can only say good things about him. Um, so the first division uh, last week, Cabin Tilly two Cove nil, Drogheda two Athlone one, UCD two Galway nil. Uh, Finn Harps nil, Shelburne nil, Longford three, Wexford nil, and uh, the fixtures for the weekend. The Robbie Benson Derby, Athlone UCD, uh, Galway uh, against Cabin Teeley, Shelburne against Longford, Wexford against Strada, and then Friday, or sorry, Saturday, Cove play Harps. Time is tight, but UCD are looking good. I, I do, I do want to ask Robbie about yeah. that, Jeb, because uh, I, I hadn't seen UCD. Um, I don't know when the last time. In fact, I'd say the last time I saw UCD was probably when they played in Europe, and, and I mean that. Now that's kind of embarrassing, but it's a long time ago. I, of all the teams I've seen in the first division this season, I thought they were by far the best. And uh, considering they obviously have lost Georgie Kelly, um, but you know you've played with three of them, but you you you're you're acutely aware of some of the young talent coming through there. Yeah, I did it. You know, a couple of lads in the team there, Gary O'Neill. I'd meet him quite regularly, living in the area myself. So, you know, I'd always be up to date. Even you know Niall Corbett, who's gone to Waterford there, I'd be very friendly with him. So talking to them over the last couple of years, when I haven't been there, they've been filming kind of on you know the players, and um, you know they're very kind of. Thing with UCD is it kind of goes in cycles. You know, team, you know, players coming in the first year, you know, they kind of you see improvements, for, and then a little bit of a drop off maybe when when those players leave. But speaking to the people there last week, there's a lot. If they do go up, they're kind of in a good position because there's a lot of players that are you know in second year, third year of the courses, so they'll still be there. Sure. So um, they mightn't lose too many if they go up, which which would be important for them. This kid Neil Faruja just thought he was absolutely outstanding yeah he was a, a, playing, a big lad playing left footed on the right side yeah very impressive my first time seeing him I heard a lot about him the last couple of years that he was he was one to watch and my first time seeing him and he, he was very good hopefully obviously with young players there's a little bit of inconsistencies performance week to week but um, he's uh, he's definitely one to keep an eye on that's sure best of luck on uh, Thursday uh, Dan is going to join you on the way leg of the trip I think Dan I think I'm going to Cyprus yeah mm-hmm. um yeah, I, I mean, I think I don't think it's the biggest venue in the world. They have a new stadium, but I think it's like a seven thousand seat yeah. or something like that. It's funny we were talking earlier about facilities and stuff, and you know, sometimes those small, yeah. purpose-built stadiums are like are perfect, you know, for your needs. So, yeah, hopefully the I'm I'm one hundred percent sure the tie will be alive. Uh, it could go all the way that one. Jared, know? thanks for coming in no as well. Problem. Yeah, and um, best of luck, obviously, to Dundalk, and uh, we shall talk to you next week. But there are